0: I'm I'm am punching I'm punching through this fucking soju. is
1: we're in for a good
0: one. <laughs> this is like um this is like that challenge where they they tell you to you like eat a laxative and then see how many games of Call of Duty you can win before you shit yourself. <laughs> this is like see how far I can get to the podcast before I fall off my pass chair. Out. Yeah. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the 250, the podcast where we wonder just how many film directors have foot fetishes. I'm Jonathan and with me as always is my co-host Douglas. How are you, Douglas? I'm good. I don't know, Jonathan. How many
1: directors do have foot fetishes?
0: Well, I'm glad you asked, Douglas. Uh,
1: All of them. (laughs) They all do. It's a prerequisite of being a director.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. If this is your first time tuning into the 250, we have taken a snapshot of IMDb's top 250 movies of all time as of January 2020, and we've been watching them from number 250 to number 1. In this podcast, we discuss our opinions, thoughts, and reactions to the movies. Douglas, is 11.30. It's 11.30. We're not doing another take. Oh, God. <laughs> In this podcast, we discuss our opinions, thoughts, and reactions to the movies within. Today's movie, number 123, Whoa. is Die Hard.
1: It's number 123 on the 250. Anyway, after travelling back to LA to spend Christmas with his children and estranged wife, police officer John McLean finds himself in the middle of a hostage situation. As the only one able to move through the building, he formulates a plan to free the hostages and thwart their captors.
0: Die Hard was directed by John McTiernan, who's known for Predator and Last Action Hero, and was based on the novel by Roderick Thorpe. And screenplay was written by Jeb Stewart, known for The Fugitive and Lockup, and Stephen E. D'Souza, known for 48 Hours and Commander. Let me tell you, those writers in particular worked on a lot of terrible movies <laughs> from what I saw on IMDb. Just, just dog just shit. across ratings. the board shit house. Someone had, someone, I forget which one it was, but one of these people had a movie that had a 3.1, which is that's atrocious.
1: Very low for IMDb.
0: It's extremely IMDb low. IMDb yeah, is very, very forgiving. So. It, it sure fucking is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, good stuff. It's, it's almost like they stumbled onto a tight script yeah. and engaging plot line. Like, uh, monkeys and typewriters, Douglas.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There, there was a film earlier this year that we did where it was like everyone that had worked on the project had just done absolute dog shit garbage. And then just this one film was just like, just the best. It was like shining amongst the, it was above fucking everything. And you look at like their credits and you're just like, how did this happen? And then why did it like continue to happen? You know what I mean? But you know, sometimes it's, it's, uh, it's hard to make lightning strike twice in the same place, I guess. Jonathan, uh, nor myself or Jonathan have seen Die Hard before. This is our first time watching it for. Uh, ever. (laughs) Uh,
0: Okay, yeah. don't- yeah. yeah.
1: This is my scuffed podcast. Look, I'm sitting here. I'm listening to Run DMC's Christmas in Hollis. And, uh, let me tell you, I'm feeling mighty fucking festive. I don't know about you, Jonathan.
0: Yo ho ho. Uh, And a bottle um, of eggnog. And, uh, uh, what is, um, oh, Sanders says ho ho ho, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Not not yo ho
1: ho. ho, That's a pirate. (laughs)
0: Yeah, just one change, one letter, and it becomes a completely different perspective. <laughs> English is crazy. What a, what a, what a, what a yeah, what a, uh, yeah. Do you yeah, know what, Run DMC crazy? wrote? Uh, did it's tricky as well. I think I did know that. It's tricky.
1: But- tricky, 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 and um, walk this way with Aerosmith as well. Bangers, nothing but bangers.
0: Nothing but that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Douglas, what do you think of Die Hard? Stop being distracted. <laughs>
1: I uh, I did not realize that it was directed by John McTiernan, and I- even if you told me it was directed by John McTiernan, I wouldn't have made the correlation that this was also the same guy who directed Predator, but now that you say that, it all makes sense, because I get very much the same energy that I get out of Predator from this, like, very much- a, a director who's very confident in their lead actor and their ability to be like big hot action hero kind of like helped make the name of both the actor and the brand and solidified it for a very long period of time, even into the present day that we are recording this, the end of 2022. And yeah, I, it, it all makes sense and I, I compare and contrast it to Predator a little bit, I think, but two very different films, two different intents, but I do really like how smart this film is.
0: Good I mean, it's a we're suckers for thrillers.
1: Mm, we
0: are. Suckers for procedural I don't know what that is. I don't know what itch that fucking tickles in my brain.
1: Mm. It's the infernal affairs itch, you know? Like it was right right at the very top, man. Got us.
0: I just I just love it I, I- was the last movie? What was the last movie? Uh, no, no. <laughs> don't. I'm not sure if you looked at me, my eyes
1: just went so wide. Well. I was like, fuck, this is the last movie. Batman
0: Begins. Yeah, I think it was like almost like procedural elements to like Batman Begins as well. Like the setup. Yeah. I love a hmm. good, love a good setup. I setup. A movie yeah. Pure setup. Yeah. I, I uh, The, the Oceans films are great for that. They're just <laughs> like,
1: it, that's true. Yeah, yeah. It's an hour and a half like of setup and then setup. 10
0: minutes of knocking over the pins. Yeah, that's true. Exactly. Yeah. Just quick, quick side note, because we are talking about John McTiernan. John McTiernan was the person I was thinking of. It's so fucking funny, because if you look at his known fours, Die Hard, number one. Cool. Mm -hmm. Secret movie that I will tell you in a second. Then Last Action Hero and Predator. Okay. Yep. Die Hard, 8.2. Last Action Hero, 6.4. Predator, 7.8 stars out of 10. Okay. Secret movie. Movie number two. Rollable. Okay. Rollable 2002. Yep. It is- appears to be people doing a race where they where they street luge <laughs> on streets i don't know <gasps> description the big thing in 2005 is a violent sport which can have some pretty serious consequences dot 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 like dying 3.1 <laughs> out of 10 stars 2005 the The film
1: was made in two thousand and two, but they the the furthest reaching they could go is
0: three years into the future they really they're like it's going downhill, baby I mean two thousand and two like it's like well nine 11s happened <laughs> we're just America's doing a whole bunch of uh uh human rights violations in the Middle East right now. it's all downhill from I mean here.
1: economy must have went into the fucking dumpster, man, like yeah. It must have been um, tough to make movies in 2002.
0: No, no, no. I think it were fine. I think GFC was, like, a fair bit later. Well, it was, like, um, it was a really solid...
1: Two th- oh, okay, never mind. Lord of the Rings was being made around 2002. You know what? Yeah,
0: 2007.
1: There was of, a little bit of money being splashed around in 2002. America
0: was doing fine, Douglas. True. It is, True, like, minority prosperous times. In- yeah. No, no, no. I mean, like, military spending.
1: <laughs> oh, well, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm talking... The film industry, baby. Uh, well, Spirit, well, yeah. Jackass, yeah. That's
0: a yeah. pretty low budget movie, let's be honest with ourselves.
1: Oh, yeah. That Jackass had like $10 and a think <laughs> Anyway, yeah, thing anyway of Die tank.
0: Hard. Die Hard.
1: Why is it called- <laughs> well, Actually, can we- Why is it actually called Die Hard?
0: Do we know? Uh, because it's based on a book- when you write an action book, you just gotta slap some
1: You gotta get those hook hook words. Some
0: yeah. Some masculine sounding words together and then Bob's your uncle mm-hmm. and-
1: What's everyone afraid of? Dying. I like that. That's good. Dying. And what is what is what are, what are men like? What are men like? You know, kind of
0: being hard.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> smack them both together, and then like it's like fear, but like also like oh yeah, I can feel my testosterone bloody coursing through me. <laughs> and then you put Bruce Willis on it as well, and do it. Oh yeah,
0: it's the it's like the video where Asuka is jerking the guy off, and she punches him in the nuts. <laughs> and he's, sh- and he's shooting ropes across the room. That's Die Hard, baby. <laughs>
1: Oh man, shit! Uh, Alan Rickman, God rest his soul, looks so fucking hot in this. <laughs> I just want to say that at the outset, he's so attractive in this film.
0: God rest his soul, but he's so hot. I think he was a hot dude. I like, I like Alan Rickman. Yeah. Um.
1: Do you- okay. Here's something that's gonna fuck you up. That dude's been dead for
0: six years. That's spooky. That's right. very spooky. Right? Wow, that's really spooky. You're I remember, right. That is quite I remember
1: spooky. fucking learning, like, when he died. I was like, oh, my God, that fucks me up. And then it's just, you know, it's just one of those things. It just fades off into the back. I wonder how long it's been since Ron Williams has been dead. There's a question for him.
0: Good looking dude. Terrible fake German. i Rickman. recommend.
1: I didn't mind it. I think it's, I was going to say, I think it's intentional. But, like, no, he, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't mind it. I think it's fine. It adds, it adds to the, the pulpy energy of the film.
0: Yeah, yeah, because it's so pulpy you can get away with such stupid bullshit. Uh-huh. They didn't lean on it too hard, but there is a repeated joke about the two FBI agents coming <laughs> and there's Agent Johnson Johnson and, and Johnson. Special <laughs> Agent Johnson, no relation. No relation, yeah. <laughs> which is, which is really funny because I think the film is mostly pretty serious up to that point, like. It's, it's like, drama to thriller levels of serious, and then that is, like, so goofy.
1: It plays itself seriously in the escalation of events, I think. You know what I mean? Like, every event that happens, it has, like, a ripple effect of, like, okay, this happens logically next. And it takes all those steps very, very logically, which kind of had me a bit, like, whoa, fuck. Like, pretty much- Every action film must have looked to die hard, like, every action film made after 1988 looked to die hard of, like, that's how you do it. That's how you get people engrossed, entertained, but also kind of grounded in it still, because every action that happens actually makes sense. Like, there's nothing where you're going, like, oh, come on, like, that's fucking horseshit. because- it needs to be a little bit of a suspense of disbelief in these things. I think in action films in particular, you need to have a little bit of a suspense of disbelief. But it's still grounded in reality enough that you can't go too far, or people's bullshitometer just goes, "I'm out." This is fucking this is weird. Why are you being weird? Why is- Where's Bruce Willis's shoes? Give the man some
0: shoes. <laughs> it does scream to me book adaptation, like especially action books. Obviously, like, they're also quite pulpy, but I think it's more common to have the plot pretty tight because you don't have as much to lean on if it sucks. If the plot is no good, then you better have, like, the other two or three aspects be good because, uh, whereas with movies, you can make something that's flashy and exciting, which does not to say this film isn't flashy and exciting and some of the gun, gunshots and explosions and your classic fucking action film stuff in this uh very engaging just on their own. Yeah. Yeah. As is classic, jam a bunch of it into the into the final act to sort of like you, you talk about this all the time about like loud noises to wake people up in the third act yeah. of a play. <laughs> Same thing.
1: Screaming in the in the third act to yeah to wake everyone up. Yep, that's the way to do it. Soundtrack composed by Michael Kamen also composed the soundtrack for the Iron Giant. Wouldn't you mm. know it? Pretty cool. Oh. Also composed the soundtrack for the first X Men film, the two thousand X Men film, Wolverine one. Uh, no, 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 just X Men. It it's just called X Men. Wow. Um, and then also Terry Gilliam's uh nineteen eighty five Brazil as well, which is a very acid trippy film that I think a lot of people like.
0: Mm. Um, I liked the soundtrack. You I too. think the soundtrack it is an orchestral score, but I've liked it more than I've liked other soundtracks because it is the sort of classical bits of it. Are, like quite reserved, which makes sense because mm. Bruce Willis spends a lot of the film sneaking around and stuff. So it'll be little flourishes, which are really fun. They- I-, I like them a lot. Me too. The other fun thing is that they, they adapt a bunch of the tracks to quote unquote Christmassy instruments. It's just great. I, 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 I love when people do that. Even if it's like really cheesy, I remember in Pacific Rim 2, my favorite <laughs> bit being them playing the girl from Ipanema. Is that what it's called? The elevator song?
1: Oh, yes, yes, yes.
0: Yeah. Uh, Ipanema. Ipanema? They play it with like a bunch of like classical Chinese instruments. And I was like, that's hilarious. I love that. It's what a great little bit. That's smart smart. You- Actually, you, this, cause this reminds me. Christmassy, right? Set during Christmas, the whole bit is that you felt quite strongly about this being the best Christmas film, right?
1: Yeah. I'd never seen it before, but I knew it was the best Christmas film.
0: I think, on one hand, I agree with you.
1: It's a very entertaining film to watch at Christmas time, but it's not- Like, it's just set in Christmas. Like, it's not- Yeah. It's nothing particularly, like- Christmassy about it beyond the fact that it's just set in Christmas.
0: Exactly. I think it's actually, like, it's a good setting. Just, like, plot-wise, you're like, oh, cool. Okay, well, they're having a, sh- a Christmas shutdown party. It's quite a normal thing at an office. Mm. John McClane wants to go go home and see his wife and children because it's Christmas. Good setting. Fun. And it lets them do funny little kind of lighthearted gags like the very well-known Now I Have a Machine Gun Ho ho-ho, Ho. He's got ho-ho. the fucking yeah. Santa hat on. Good That's shit. really cool. Good shit. What it actually made me think about- is, I don't think there are other, I don't think there are good, or, like, the number of, like, good Christmas movies is in the single digits, right? Yeah. Like, they're not, I think, like, I, like, Elf. Yeah, Elf is a pretty safe It's a good Christmas movie. People, yep. And, like, maybe The Santa Claus, which is only a good movie because of its title. Is that the one with,
1: um, uh, uh what's his name? Tim Allen?
0: Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah. mm mm-hmm. Hilarious. The Santa Claus and then the, the escape clause is, like, the- the <laughs> That film didn't need a- not up. Sequel. So <laughs> funny, because an escape clause is a thing that happens- Because it's a Santa it's Claus. It's a Clause
1: fucking stupid. <laughs> I love that. I bet whoever wrote so the title for it was just like, oh, my yeah. God. Like, he could hear the pen being written for his check, like, as he, like, wrote Absolutely. it up on the, right, on the whiteboard of, like- Oh, um, I've done it. <laughs> Christmas is saved. <laughs> I'm going to feed my kids. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, I think, like, like, Christmas movies are generally, like, Hallmark quality. Yes. Like, nonsense. Or yeah. well, the only other one that comes to mind is the Polar Express.
1: Is that a Christmas film?
0: They go to the North Pole to see Santa.
1: Oh, is that what the Polar- Oh, my God. <laughs> I didn't realize that was what the Polar Express was about. I thought they were just getting on a train and going somewhere. <laughs>
0: Douglas just had a little fucking <laughs> mid-movie nap there, I guess. There are elves. There are elves. There's, like, it- plot really? points where they're, like, on the machines the that wrap presents. Fuck.
1: Are you serious? Did I watch the Polar Express?
0: It's been a second for you. I, I think I watched it fairly recently you did. in the grand You scheme, did, because
1: I, I, I remembered you coming to one of these episodes and being like, dude, the Polar Express fucking claps. <laughs>
0: I was like, okay. Um, but I think, like, I, there's probably some fun- I would suspect there's some fun screwball comedies, maybe, that are set in Christmas that might be fun, like, all stuff. Yeah. Like, maybe, like, 70s, 60s type stuff that Surely. were probably a lot of fun. But I think just, like, so much other shit is just, like-
1: Oh, uh, no, I'm thinking our, it was- The Adventures of Tintin, that was the one that you came in with and you were like, yo, this actually kind of kicks ass. And I was like, yeah, yeah it it's does. Spielberg, you
0: dipshit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. What? I don't think Spielberg (laughs) had that much to do with it. Oh, maybe he did. Maybe he did. There was, like, a recent film where Spielberg said he was involved and and everyone was watching and they're like, I think you were there for, like, five minutes and then you wrote your name on the poster.
1: Fucking Edgar Wright is attributed for writing Adventures of Tintin. No wonder it fucking claps. Simon Pegg and um, Nick Frost are in it as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, naturally. If he's going to be writing for it. Naturally.
0: I reckon that's my favourite Christmas film, is The Adventures of Tintin Douglas.
1: To have anything to do, <laughs> there's a boat in the in the poster. I've got a sneaking suspicion that has nothing to do with
0: Christmas. Hey, prove me wrong, baby. Okay, <laughs> within the next forty minutes of podcast, prove me wrong.
1: I don't think I'll be able to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's enough time.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I think it uses. I think it uses Christmas effectively. I, I I think the title of best Christmas movie is ultimately worthless.
1: Okay, no, 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 no. Hear me out. 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 Uh. Jim Carrey's Grinch.
0: Oh yeah, there are there are Grinch ones, aren't
1: there? is- yeah, yeah, just like any of the Grinchies, but like primarily Jim Carrey's Grinch.
0: Well, I wonder what distinguishes these films from the the soulless cash grab. Wait,
1: even better. Just thought of it then.
0: Muppets Christmas Carol.
1: Muppets never miss. Fucking prove me wrong.
0: I don't think people liked the new movie what? or the movie before that. But Michael Caine's in
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> How can Michael Caine is Scrooge? How can you go wrong with that? It-
0: I do like I, the Muppets, I, but I, I hate. Christmas. I just had a very long string I, of. I, I, I,
1: I'm sorry, Kermit I just don't like Christmas.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry, Batman. I cannot. I cannot put on the red hat and pretend to be Santa for you this year, young, I just, young Master Wayne.
1: I just don't want it. I don't want Christmas anymore,
0: Master Wayne. I hate. I honestly, uh-huh. I hate. I hate Christmas so much. I'm going to burn down Batman's house. <laughs>
1: Die Hard. I. Uh, who's the um the guy Hans's right hand dude? Big uh buff dude, blonde hair. He rocks. He was
0: really good. Isn't that isn't um Carl? Isn't is that his name? Yeah, it is. Yeah, Carl. Mm. Alexander. Wait, I'm just Alexander. I'm, I'm getting, mix- Ga- I'm getting mixed. I'm up with the last film. Rocka Hell is not in this. Yeah. He? No. 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 We watched a film recently. Rugged Howard is it in know.
1: this, I promise. Yeah, yeah. Rugged Rugged How is in Batman Begins.
0: <laughs> he wasn't, but okay, okay.
1: He's not here, I promise. You're not. You haven't missed anything.
0: I see a large blonde person
1: <laughs> of European Ruck ethnicity. Hauer. That's Rugged right Howard.
0: absolutely.
1: Uh, whack a pair of glasses on that man can't tell the difference, but t- take them off. <gasps> <laughs> he's he's got the Clark Kent effect.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> What did you want to say about Alexander Godunov? I over? just thought he
1: was great. I just thought he, he- Like, he he doesn't have a lot in terms of, like, what he's given. You know what I mean? Like, in, in the script, mm-hmm. he's just, like- He's just a grumpy dude with intention. But, like, we'll get to that in spoilers. We should get to the spoiler section soon. He's got intent. He's got motive against Bruce Willis's character. And he doesn't get too many lines, but he plays it very well. And he plays, like- The henchman role of, like, an action flick very well. Mm. He reminds me of a lot of what John Wick's henchman kind of guys are like. You know, they don't have too much script, Mm -hmm. but with what they do in an action sense is fucking awesome. Like, the actual- the sequences that they're a part of are so memorable. So- I feel like
0: I do have a I do have a a touch on this point, but I think by and large I did I did like him a lot. Yeah, mm. Devereaux White, who plays Argyle, the hacker. Yeah, fun dude. F- found him a little annoying. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> but I but I think that's just in terms of like an '80s film hacker is yeah, like true. Yeah, a very particular like cheesy.
1: But like come on, it's what it was one of like the it's got to be like one of the at least one of the most like mainstream versions of it. When did when did hackers come out? That's my question.
0: I think it was the 90s proper. Mm,
1: 95. Mmm, damn.
0: I think I think I think the like cool hacker like sassy hacker thing is is a started coming up around this time perhaps
1: because computers were becoming more and more a thing. But, but not, but not enough that people actually understood, like, how they worked. So you could get mm. by with a dude just going, like, I'm in. And then people would be like, uh huh.
0: <laughs> this said, for a, sh- you know, schlock movie type hacking, like, in terms of, like, computer interfaces and stuff, I thought it was, like, st- Pretty, Pretty convincing. convincing. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. For like '80s tech or like just past '80s kind of tech, I'm like, yeah, I'm- it's it's believable enough.
0: I like the bit with the terrible '80s touchscreen, which I think yeah. is in and of itself a joke. Where they're just yep. like, this thing sucks. Like, Boop.
1: it takes like five menus Boop. to get to where you <laughs> want to go. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, I I-, I thought be. that was uh, that was excellent. He's just like, whatever. He's fine. Yeah. I found him annoying. I found him annoying at the end, basically. He mm-hmm. was uh he was a lot. But um yeah, I will Bruce Willis. Be willy what did you Be Willy's in- no, I- talking about? We're talking about everyone's fucking performances.
1: I think this film solidified him as the action guy very well. Um, and I can't help but feel for him in a present day sense because, you know, he's had to stop filming because of that. He's Got a brain disease, I believe, of some form that's preventing him from acting.
0: Parkinson's or dementia or something? It's,
1: no, it's something else that's more niche. It's it's like- Oh. It's something to do with, like, the inability to, like, recognize words or something like that. It's a cassis or something like that. Something along that vein. Anyway. Oh. I can't help but feel for him because he's just- He's obviously got so much to give and he's obviously very passionate about what he does and- Loves the film industry and loves what he does. And that pours out of every single fiber of his being in this film. He's just obviously having so much fun playing this roughhousing fucking submachine gun toting barefoot motherfucker. Like it's so incredibly specific as a character that it's actually so timeless as well that we're never going to get. Another Bruce Willis, John McClane character in film history. You know what I mean?
0: I think you also like. I think sort of this flavor of film is behind us a little bit. Like mm. not even like uh, not even like a social change way, but I think just like it wouldn't sell if you if you were to do Die Hard in
1: twenty twenty two, it wouldn't sell.
0: Yeah, I think it. I guess it wouldn't push the boundaries enough. Maybe it would be all it is, but it, it- we just. It will, like those films can exist and they do exist, mm. but I think they're sort of pushed off as like schlockier stuff that's sort of not as it appeals to a niche to market now
1: rather than a mainstream market. Making it in 1988, it appeals to a mainstream market because that's what the supply and demand is. Mm. Yeah the the landscape of cinema and how it is right now is a completely fucking different. A kettle of fish. If you want to open that can of worms, I'm down. But anyway, I feel like we should probably get to the spoilers before we open that can of worms. (laughs) Jonathan, would you recommend 1988's Die Hard? Would you die hard, Jonathan? Are you willing? Are you willing to die with a hard hard right now, (laughs) So put a gun to my temple. I'm hard right now.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Um. Yeah. 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 I think it's just sort of fun. Like. I yeah. enjoyed it the same way I enjoyed the new Top Gun film. Mm. It, it's just mm. plotted really well. It's paced really nicely. And it's got the thriller slash procedural vibe that we sort of just have a weird bug for in the 250. So, um, yeah, I was, it was a very enjoyable watch. I mean, it's, it's probably got no shortage of problems to it. Yeah. But in terms of just pure entertainment you know, time,
1: value, yeah. like can't be beaten. It's such a great action flick, such a great screenplay, and such a great book, obviously. like The initial premise is obviously so strong for this to be as strong as it is and definitely influential, like unquestionably influential to other actions and other thrillers and things like that of this Mm. nature. I can't help but feel like, you know, the film called... The Raid. 2011's The Raid. Do I ever? Indonesian film, right? I can't help but feel like The Raid is just ever so slightly inspired by Die Hard, you know, like one building setting, big action cop boy, and he's like, he's got to get out of there. He's stuck in there and he's got to get out, you know,
0: like- I've probably asked this before, but is The Raid on the list?
1: No, it's not, but I've put it on the list, on like the the snubs. Yeah,
0: it should be in our bonuses because because I think- I would love to talk about it. I need, I need-, I I need to watch it again because I think it has all the benefits this film does, as well as outrageously tight martial arts stuff. So, yeah. And I'd be keen to watch it again in general. I reckon that The Raid is- I m- would dare say, just off of my memory impression, that The Raid is a better film than this one. But-
1: uh, if uh, The key difference being The Raid is more interested in- the, uh, sheer technicality of like choreography and everything, right? Mm. Die Hard is more focused on the technicality of the screenplay and the logistics behind a terrorist situation unfolding in a building and how do people react to that situation in a real world sense? Um, yeah. How does that story unfold? And especially if you put one man, one New York fucking hardened cop who is staying in New York because he's too fucking good at his job, and he knows he's got shit to do over there. What happens when you put a character like that in that scenario? Mm. I think that that's fun. It's very testosterone-heavy film, which you know.
0: New York cop. New York loves a donut and a coffee.
1: Uh, any content warnings, Jonathan?
0: Uh oh yeah, the blood. A bunch of people get shot. Blood. <laughs> Blood.
1: On my ass cheeks! (laughs) Tell me, Dravar. How the fuck did it get there? Huh?
0: People are taken, like, hostage and stuff. Um, that, that's sort of a stressful situation. Um, there's, like, a whole thing where he gets, like, glass in his feet, which I don't think is actually visually shown on screen. No, it's not. Which is nice. Um, but besides that, it's it's just, yeah, yeah.
1: If you're worried about your poor little tootsies, maybe don't watch Die Hard.
0: Um, yeah. So let's uh let's have a little spoiler sound. And we're now in the spoiler zone. Everything past this point, may Hannah will spoil 88 Die Hard. Die hard.
1: <laughs> it's all about it's all about the tonality of how you say the film, isn't it? It's like you say die hard or you would say die hard. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you've got to- You put stress on the second syllable. The back syllable. <laughs> the ha. Absolutely. If you put like ha hard. as in
1: ha-ha, then like die hard. Then it's like, oh.
0: The second syllable.
1: <laughs> Shut the fuck up.
0: <laughs> so, I thought I'd watch this film.
1: Second syllable.
0: Yeah, go ahead. It's not really a spoiler conversation. I thought I'd watch this film. I absolutely hadn't. I'd watch oh. 2007's Live Free or Die Hard. <laughs> Let me tell you, after watching Die Hard, there is nothing in me that goes- I need to see more of this character. That is, yeah. is they perfectly, it's got the same problem that I think we bitch about these days, which is apparently not unique, which is like perfect encapsulated. I think it's more of a problem with TV these days, but it's like, this is a package deal. We have zero intention of making a sequel. This is the story. It's tied in live free or like the, the more diehard sequel, the more it's like, isn't this just a guy? How does he manage to stop- Get himself in all these fucking scenarios and then stop them as
1: well. Yeah, he he turns into a bit of a a kind of James Bondy type, I guess. You know what that immediately made me think of? Mm. Squid Game. Like, Squid Game is a perfect package. Like, just as a TV show and, like, the time that it came out, like, the socioeconomic landscape in the world that it came out, it was perfect. Dude could just, like, release that shit. Fucking- Relish in the five seconds of fame and the, the money that you get because literally everyone was stuck at home and was just like, well, we need something to talk about. And this is a, a thing to, a very good, like solid piece of TV show to talk about regardless. Yeah. But it, like the pandemic definitely helped. Like it definitely helped to get it on like the, the world stage more or less. But then. Because of all that fucking overwhelming fame and love and support that he got, he was literally like, I have to make another one because everyone is like, damn, it's the next one going to happen? You got to do another one. You got to do another one now. And fuck me. I really got a feel for, for writers who are put in that position, who they write something and they're like, yep, that's it. That's a story. That's all I want to talk about. It's like, as you say, perfectly. Neat little bow. Mm. But then to be told by a producer, I have this fucking fat water cash that I'm going to offer you if you can do it again. And like, basically, you have to do it again. Or otherwise, like, good luck trying to get anything else funded because all we're going to know you for is the guy who could have made more money but then chose not to. Yeah, it's just so fucked up. I feel so sorry for screenplay writers. They have it rough
0: the Mandalorian had the same problem. Mm. I thought it was a great self-enclosed story and
1: they just had to fucking make another one.
0: They did bait a sequel, but that was that was the other thing is that the the the, the fi- finale of that show, I was like this is like the worst episode out of the entire show. Like mm. the cuz it felt like they were sort of baiting a sequel, mm. like it sort of threw it all out the window. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, so so anyway, doesn't matter. We don't care about the sequels. We're living in 1988, Douglas. We are. Die Hard 2 What's that? Nine Don't know what you're talking about. I can take a knife on a plane all I like. Doesn't matter. My neighbor, Todoro? I love it. Akira?
1: My favorite.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. John Wick? John Who? <laughs> I didn't like, we were talking about, uh, what was his name? Alexander. Goodenov? G- 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 oh, plays yeah. Carl. Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't Why like you- his final fight scene. I like plot-wise. Plot-wise. Perfectly placed in terms of thematically what it means for the situation. Great. Fights in itself. I found it a little limp. But it's I such a it cool a set piece where he, like, gets boop, the boop, chain boop, fucking boop, hung around him and then Bruce Willis, like,
1: pushes him and, like, falls off the staircase and then he, like, boop, boom, boop, slams boop, into the wall and then he's, like, hanging by the chain. That
0: shit's Thought sick. it was a bit limp. Thought it was a bit limp. Or oh, you're talking favorite- about,
1: like, this, the stuff leading up to that moment. Sure. Whatever. Just kind of, like- I think the literal
0: psh- ah, psh- literal psh- ah. actors almost fake hitting each other <laughs> thought that felt limp. Sure. All right. A little bit glib. The-, the chain thing, sure. Fine. It's cool. That's- it's fine. It's cool. It's fine. It's pretty cool.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he- I, bet- I bet he died hard. I bet he had a- <laughs> All right. I
0: hope <laughs> so. But I just think, I think like compare, maybe compared to some of the other action-y type stuff going on in the film, it's just not quite as good. Like, a, like thriller type stuff, like the shootout in the, in all the construction areas. I think there's two or three of them mm. are all like, Oh yeah, fuck yeah, I'm fucking stressed fuck yeah. And, um, the bit where he's like jumping the, the vent. The, the ducks when uh, oh, yeah. the people are chasing oh, him. Oh, my
1: God. I love that sequence so much. There's so you much like shit like- where, like, he puts himself in these incredibly precarious situations where you're like, yeah, okay, you would die. If you did this, you would die. But because you're Bruce Willis, you get away with it. And that's fine. But it, it, the, the journey that McTiernan takes you on through these incredibly, like, you have to suspend disbelief so fucking hard to get through some of those sequences I'm talking the submachine gun and taking off the the fucking all that's coming to mind is lanyard what's it called the the strap that like holds the the submachine gun like around his shoulder loosening that shit hooking the submachine gun in the thing and then yeah doing the whole vent sequence huge suspense of disbelief and then the fire hose tying that around your waist and then jumping off the side of a skyscraper To then dodge an explosion, shoot a window, and then crash yourself through the window just in time. And then realize that the fire hose is still hooked around your waist and you have to get that shit off. Or otherwise you're going to fucking plow it to your death regardless. Huge suspense of disbelief. But the journey that McTiernan takes you on to get to those points and the actual like exploration of those ideas in and of themselves... You're just, you're shit in your pants. You're like, Oh my God. I just hope he makes it. <laughs> you know, he's going to make it, but it gives you all of the, the things of like, Oh fuck, he might not make it or something else might happen. He may, he'll make it regardless, but there'll be, he will win at the loss of something else. If that makes any sense. Like there'll be a price to pay for winning.
0: Yeah. The, the, the fire hose thing, I think was great. I, I think the film- I think this is not the only example of it, but the film does a good job of layering problems, I guess. Yeah. Like, it's not yeah. just like, he has to jump off a thing. He's a fire hose. Cool, he's done it. Cool means it's like, no, okay, now the fire hose is still on him. The reason that? he's
1: jumping off, yeah, is because, yeah, the fucking yeah, every- everything's roof's like about to explode. somewhat <laughs>
0: interconnected with something else. It was- it, 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 It's good for that. It's just quite well plotted. I wonder how much of that comes out of the- The book, yeah. Book. Mm. Um, because I think you maybe want to the adrenaline up. I guess it's the same in a film, I guess. But but once again, it, it does very much feel like it benefited from being uh, written work first. So
1: curse the two five zero and it trying to get me interested in books and reading. It's a good baby. Ugh, I love a good book. Unbelievable! I have to update my goodreads. Fucking put this on a.
0: Oh, that is. I haven't used Goodreads a good enough reason to not read. That <laughs> app sucks so really, much. Cock. Yeah,
1: pretty much the only reason I use it is because it's hooked up to my Kindle, so it kind of like <laughs> keeps pace with what I'm reading. Speaking of, I have a book that I really do. Anyway,
0: what do you what do you think about Al the the uh, police officer Al Allen? Oh yeah,
1: I didn't mind him. I think he's fine. He gets enough character kind of growth, but it also- I believe your review on Letterboxd has some (laughs) commentary on it. Is that correct?
0: I thought- It wasn't big, complex commentary. It's more on the writing of the film itself. I thought- Because I was sitting here thinking, what's the morality of this film, right? like Because most works are trying to communicate a message. Even if, if if it's not intentional, it's just sort of a byproduct of- being a writer and having ideals is that you then write things that benefit those ideals, show those ideals as correct. And, and I think I, I, this film is like very American yeah. in that yeah, perspective. Yeah, yeah. And this is like not a huge complaint, it was just a little odd in that the film ends with Alan being like, because Alan's whole deal is, I shot a kid, I'm understandably horrifically scarred by that experience. I have promised to never pick a gun up again because fucking of course not. Like that's insane. Like like you know shit you would be scared to death of like ever try ever pointing a gun at anyone ever again. And then the film is like, he's back in the saddle, folks, that's That's right. Nice Alan who you've grown to love, he can still kill a man. (laughs) <laughs> and, of course, you can have- USA! The, you can, yeah, the, and, and that's the very American take. is like, well, he was killing a bad guy. Yahoo! Yeah. Like, that's- He the- was coming
1: at me, chief! <laughs> I had to put him down.
0: But the- Yeah. The message in its, like, rawest form is, this guy didn't want to shoot anyone with the best reason ever to not want to shoot anyone. Because you fucking just uh, ruins. You killed somebody, baby. You fucking murdered someone. Of course you And then they're like, he's still got it. He's a good American cop. That's right. He can shoot a man at a moment's notice. Like, like that, that was just, it was just weird to me. I don't mm. think there's like any, like, there, you, you can't really. It goes um, back uh, on
1: its, uh, its intent a little bit there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, can, I don't I can think hear the that.
0: film, it, yeah, I, it's not, it's maybe less against the intent, but it just makes just like a, it's like a weird move for the character. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily, he doesn't have like a, like, Oh my God, I love shooting guns. Like, he doesn't have that kind of moment, but like, you can see after he kills Carl, like, he's got the kind of like, oh fuck, like, I'm, I'm back in it, you know? The fear of having just fired the gun again. You can see that in his expression, which, you know, fucking, uh, top tier acting. Very well done. Very oddly adult and, uh, menacing in a way. Um, but.
0: Yeah, I can hear so that. I was, I was I sitting can here, that, I too. was looking, I was looking at the film for this whole thing, cause the other thing I was looking at is, whenever you have a bit like, he is the big, uh, Monopoly man CEO, and like, oh, we're gonna kill him because he was actually a terrible person. It's, it's sort of like, not written that way, which is also very American, is mm. like, he was like, he was like, he seemed to be like a cool enough guy for a CEO. So I was just sitting here, like, trying to find some more depth to the message of this film and the film's messages cops shooting people is good and um Germans are bad
1: yeah <laughs>
0: the most american possible take i don't i mean uh, what it comes down to i think is that there's no metaphor or message to be found and then the film is just a film about an action guy which is totally fine um and and it's clearly just focusing on that so you can sort of just ignore that conceptually it's not what the film is trying to do so whatever but it was just a little funny
1: i think <clears throat> one of the important reasons that die hard exists and should exist in a film like uh, in a list like INDB's top 250 films of all time is that how movies shouldn't have to make you think too much. Like, it shouldn't be a prerequisite, like, bar of entry that you need to think, like, so deep and psychologically about every single film that you watch. Like, the fact that this doesn't necessarily have a proper intent or message or meaning, I'm kind of okay with because the fucking entertainment value... Far surpasses any level of message or meaning or... uh, And this is coming from the guy who fucking loves that shit. Like, this is coming from the guy whose favourite films are Inside Lewin Davis and fucking her at the moment. So, who have, like, very deep psychological... Not very deep. They have psychological and uh, kind of meanings and uh, deeper things that you can take away from the film if you look into it. That's coming from this guy. So... Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty cool with it. You know, I'm like, Bruce Willis, you want to run around barefoot in a fucking building and shoot up some guy? Yeah, 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 fine. No worries about it. I'm not looking <laughs> too deep into that. The editing's pretty fucking good. Camera work's pretty top notch. Colors are looking pretty fucking fine. Soundtrack be classic. This is a
0: hilarious, like, flip, cause normally. You're yeah, the normally we're the, the other way around. I'm the yeah, person. yeah. I'm the who's I, I, I just, yeah, I just, um, I wonder,
1: is it, is it because it's an action or a thriller? Is that why you want to
0: have that, like, you want there to be like I was anti-capitalist no, normally or something what's, like that, kind of. No, no. Normally, what's happening is that they're trying to reach for some message, mm. and they don't care about it. Mm. But in this case, there is there no is, message, yeah. and I am like so taken aback at the, the absence lack of, of it.
1: Is is peculiar? Mm. Yeah.
0: So, mm. which is once again not not like a slight on the film at all. I just wasn't expecting it. I was just expecting a little something. Just some, mate, and and I really don't think I really don't think there was anything. I think I think there is a message, is like and that that's just very American, where they're just like, yeah, cowboy cop, let's go. He's come up like the like I it just didn't feel like the film painted him being scarred about shooting as like a bad thing, but then the message of the film is like it was a character flaw for him to get over. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is just such a bizarre take because it it to me it read like reasonable. Character. This is not a state that needs to be grown from. So, whatever. Um, and in general, it was funny because they, they sort of framed Alan as like the only level head and he's surrounded by all these like big dim witted cops and FBI. Like the the big cop and the FBI and they they don't know what they're talking about. That, that is also like extremely American. Like this is, it's, it's a very, very conservative American type text.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, amongst
0: a bunch day. of drop kicks, yeah. Mm, mm. Uh. What other kind of closing thoughts do I have? Yeah, I don't think I don't think I mentioned this, but oh no, I did mention this. I just said that like the the absolute complete destruction is unabashedly quite fun to watch. Is a note that I put down, and I
1: you got agree
0: with that. I think that's that right.
1: Yeah. Uh. My my final takeaway is uh, quotable lines. This film has them out the fucking yeah. wazoo. Yippee kaye, motherfucker. Uh, as you said earlier, fucking now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. Not necessarily, no one says it. Oh, actually, no. Alan Rickman does. He reads it out loud. Welcome to the party, pal. Love it. What else is there? Um, oh, when he's on, uh, the call with the, um, with 911, and they're being like, N- now calm down, sir. Like, they think it's a prank call, and then he's been like, no fucking shit, you think I'm ordering a pizza? Like, I'm like, okay. <laughs> but New York is here. <laughs> a, pizza? <laughs> a pizza? A pizza?
0: <laughs> a pizza?
1: Yeah, it's great. Oh, and Argyle. Argyle's pretty fucking crash-out as well. I like that kid. He's, he gets, like, nice. barely any screen time, but the bit that he does is, is great. He just chills out in the fucking limo for, like, three quarters of the film. And then just comes out when shit's all done. Ah, I love that, man.
0: I mixed it up. I might have mentioned Argyle when I was talking about Theo, because Argyle was the limo driver and Theo was the hacker. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway. Douglas, uh, I reckon that's all, the the real kind of kind of thoughts we got. Nitty gritties. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have any trivia for us, Douglas?
1: I mean, there's- 202 items of trivia on IMDb's uh, Die Hard Trivia page. So that's a no. No. (laughs) Um, I will read you a couple of the highlights that I found uh, relatively interesting. Clint Eastwood, Frank Sinatra, Burt Reynolds, James Kahn, Richard Gere, Harrison Ford, Sylvester Stallone, Al Pacino, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Don Johnson, Richard Dean Anderson, Michael Keaton, Jeff Bridges, Mel Gibson, and Robert De Niro. All turned down the role of John McClane.
0: They turned it down. They turned it down. Okay. Yeah. I mean, look, if I'd seen, if I read the script, I would writers, be
1: like, yeah, I'd be like, nah, it's a pass for me.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure. I just like the pedigree of this writer, these writers and this director. I'd be like, no. <laughs> it seems like no a way. risk.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think Bruce Willis was willing enough to take that kind. Of- I mean, he does with fucking anything. He says yes to. Just about anything and everything, that man. He loves the film industry. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Director John McTiernan found it necessary to cut away from Hans Gruber's face whenever he fired a gun because of Alan Rickman's uncontrollable habit of flinching from the noise and muzzle flash. If you look at Rickman's face when he shoots Takagi, you can see him wincing.
0: That is, uh, that's funny.
1: Oh, <laughs> poor guy. Yeah. He's scared. <laughs>
0: He's we're out.
1: Uh, the scene at which Gruber and McLean meet was inserted into the script after Alan Rickman was found to be proficient at mimicking American accents. The filmmakers had been looking for a way to have the two characters meet prior to the climax and capitalized on Rickman's talent.
0: Yeah. Wait a minute. Wait, so... Alan's British. Is he... He's British.
1: Again. Yeah, yeah. 80% sure. I mean, I got Christian Bale wrong, so you might want to double check me on that
0: one. But I don't know that his, his, his American accent Sorry, is like, That would. It was fine, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) I'm not sure. Whatever. (laughs) For
1: the shot where Helen Scruber falls from the top of the building, Alan Rickman was really dropped 40 feet onto an airbag with a blue screen cover. The background was later edited in. A stuntman held Uh, Rickman up with a rope. Mirroring Rickman's line repeated twice in the movie, the stunt crew was to count to three before releasing. But to get a genuine reaction from Rickman, the stunt man released the rope on the count of two, not three. Rickman later said during a Q and A that the stunt was purposely done on his last day on set.
0: <laughs> very cheeky. Can't help, very help but wonderful. not trust
1: anyone on set after they uh, yeah. they yeah they tell you we're going to drop you on three and then they drop you on two. <laughs> Al Yong, who plays Uli, who's one of the uh, one of the henchmen in Hans's. Uh Mary Crew improvised the scene where he's eating a crunch bar and a Mars bar a few moments before the SWAT team shootout as he felt the scene could use some comic relief. Leong made sure to ask director John McTiernan for permission, claiming that he didn't want to get yelled at for taking food. <laughs> Writer Stephen D'Souza said, quote, That assured him a longer life. I was killing somebody every eight or ten pages, but that moment made him interesting. He's one of the last guys to die, End quote.
0: Have we seen him in something else? He, you know what he's in. What's he in? He's in Big Trouble in Little China, Douglas. Ah, uh, also- yeah.
1: Of course he is. He also
0: plays Genghis Khan in uh, Bill and Ted.
1: Oh, wow. There you go. Cool,
0: cool guy. I he was familiar. Cool guy. I knew he was familiar. Very fun. Hmm.
1: The original script called for terrorists to hijack the building and for a superhero cop to stop them. The cop- who can't be stopped. Uh, director John McTiernan modified the script to change the bad guys into thieves pretending to be terrorists so that the audience can enjoy their intention of grabbing a load of money. He felt having terrorists as the villains would make the movie less enjoyable and give it a political angle, which he wanted to avoid. McTiernan also changed the hero, John McLean, into an everyday flawed man that rises to the occasion in dire circumstances. He felt the audience would identify more with him rather than a quote-unquote
0: super cop. Um... <laughs> You really, you're right. Yeah, it is, it is the cop that can't be, can't he's be the, stopped.
1: He is the cop. Super cop. Can't be stopped.
0: I did know this early, like early right at the beginning is like, like they give him like an immediate flaw that is like scared of flying, mm. which is like fine. I don't understand why in that scene he then has to like, he's an asshole to this fucking random. The guy's like, here's what you do. You take your shoes off and you walk around. I'm like, that is wonderful advice. Thank you, random guy, I'm out on the plane. Thank you so much. And he's like, "I'm a gun. That's right. I've, I'm a cop. I've been a cop for 11 years." And the guys are like, "Oh, I'm so sorry for looking at you I don- or like giving you advice. Like that I you thought know you what? were gonna shoot me." <laughs> that's a very American take as yeah, well, yeah, where yeah. you just like, yeah, I mean, hey,
1: cops have fucking uh, finger on the trigger, my baby. So uh, yeah, mm. gotta be careful with that shit.
0: <laughs> like the fact that they're like, here's a dude who's allowed to take a. Fucking hand handgun on all planes. Oh yeah, <laughs> you can tell this he's not was like a v- flight marshal uh, or anything either.
1: Hey? Yeah, yeah, he's just fucking open carry. Yeah. Only a couple of the actors who played the German terrorists were actually German, and only a couple more could speak broken German. The actors were cast for their menacing appearances rather than their nationality. Nine of the twelve are over six feet tall.
0: Nine of the twelve make. Uh- as a half Dutch person myself, Douglas. They make them Boom. tall over there. They, uh, they do. You are very tall. Big folks, hello. I'm a tall person. Mm-hmm.
1: The costume department had 17 undershirts in various stages of degradation on hand for Bruce Willis. <laughs> 17? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. The costume oh department would be like, what stage is Bruce Willis have? We've got to remember the continuity of the film. <laughs> is he at 13 or is he at 14? He's at 15. Fuck. Get him off. <laughs> <laughs> In an article for the 30th anniversary of Die Hard, Bonnie Bedelia stated that the first thing she thinks of when someone mentions Die Hard is Alan Rickman. The two became friends and had lunch together every day while shooting the movie. She expressed how lovely and gentle Rickman was in real
0: life. I, I gather he was quite a nice dude, yeah. All accounts that
1: I've heard from everywhere is just that Alan Rickman is just the nicest guy. I remember watching harry potter like behind the scenes is his stuff and he was such like a you know he's snape he's savage prick to the harry potter and the kids but whenever they weren't shooting he was just the nicest to you know daniel Radcliffe and the rest of the gang so i love that man The fictional Nakatomi Plaza is the headquarters of 20th Century Studios, so the studio could use one of its own buildings and didn't have to hold back on stunts and action sequences. While Jeb Stewart was writing the screenplay, he did a tour of the building and immediately incorporated some of the locations and objects he found there into his script as set pieces, such as the cart that McClane and Carl end up riding during their fight. The company charged itself rent for the use of the then-unfinished building. Some of the middle floors were occupied by legal and administrative departments, so only empty floors were used for filming. Still, the filming of scenes that involved gunfire had to be postponed until after hours because some of the employees from the active floors started to complain about the noise.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to work down here, hey! Keep it down up there! I had a note with this. And I thought I was incorrect because one of the summaries or something that I read was like, they didn't say Nakatomi Plaza as in like, uh, well, they, they mentioned it in the summary. Instead of going like an office building, they're like, he goes to LA to Nakatomi Plaza, which sounds like, oh, okay, so Nakatomi Plaza is like a real place that like people know. And, and it wasn't all, but that reminds me because I remember the first thing they come in, I'm like the cute little like bonsai, it's like bonsai styling, obviously it's not bonsai, it's full size trees, but they're like trees that have been styled in that way and they're on these like mounds of dirt. And I'm like, that's very cute and it makes sense for a Japanese company to like sort of embrace that conceptually, but it just looks like they dumped a bunch of dirt in the fucking front parking lot. And out that's exactly what they did. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes,
1: sir. Uh, Needs to be where needs must, you know? Absolutely. Um, I've got a couple more here that are quite interesting, Um, and then we'll call it there. Alan Rickman nearly passed up on the role of Hans Gruber, which ended up being his first film role. He had only arrived in Hollywood two days earlier and was appalled by the idea of his first role being the villain in an action film. To a degree, Rickman was right to be concerned, considering his performance as Hans Gruber. Was so hailed that the actor had to struggle being typecast as a player of villains for
0: much of his career. Yeah, it's rough. Yeah, I do. What other stuff did he get up to? Actually, that does make me wonder. A lot of villain characters.
1: Um, I can't think of a, yeah. a character that he played that wasn't a villain. so.
0: Jeez. Yeah. Okay. I, I do. I love. Have you you watched Galaxy Quest, right, Doug? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Galaxy Quest. Is so much fun. I gotta watch that film again. Absolutely. And he plays a that is not a that is not a villain character, he's their main character. Oh yeah, true. It leans into his sort of like deadpan unhappy effect that yeah. he has. Mm. But um but is is not is not that intrinsically, which is which is good.
1: Who's he playing Hitchhikers? Uh Oh, he plays Marvin. That's right. Oh yeah, that's not a bad guy either. Yeah. We gotta, Are we going to watch that one? Have we talked about that? Hitchhikers. No, we should watch it. Yeah. Though. Great film. Ironically, Bruce Willis sneered at for being an all-American hero by the head German terrorist is actually more German than most of the villains. Alan Rickman was English and Alexander Godinov was Russian. Willis was born on March 19th, 1955 in West Germany to an American father and a German mother.
0: In what? Where? Oh. The, the the West Germany as, like, a concept is, like- we're yeah, we're well past it, but it wasn't that long ago, actually. The Wow wild, wild West. <laughs> That's all the trivia I've got for you. So,
1: uh,
0: take us out of here, baby. Spit us out of here. Um, yeah, if you enjoy this episode of the podcast, we uh, put our new episodes of the 250 every week. Uh, Tuesday, uh, midnight, week. Australian Standard Time. I was going purely off the Dome Douglas. I was all tabbed. I was looking at Guy, uh, the yeah Guy, Guy, <laughs> Um- uh, which turns out, which it uh, turns out to be South crazy. To that. This is, uh, Europe, uh, afternoons, Europe and Monday mornings. Monday afternoons, Europe and Monday mornings in America. This is, uh, Europe. Douglas, where can people go if they want more info on the podcast?
1: Want more info on the podcast? You can open up your favorite web browser and type in www.250.com. That's 250.com. Uh, there's two places to listen to the podcast on the two links to listen to the podcast on the website there. You can listen to it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever good podcasts are sold. And you can look at the list that we took in back in January of 2020 uh, on the homepage there. You can look ahead or look back to the now three years of podcasting that we've done and see uh, whether there's anything that takes your fancy amongst the catalogue that's there. And then you can send us an email if you want to get in touch with us professionally. And you can also, if you just want to be more, you know, kind of casual about it and a little bit more fast and fancy with it, you can drop us a DM on Instagram. Our Instagram handle is 250pod. Um, and, uh, one of us will get back to you within the fullness of
0: time. If you enjoyed, nope. <laughs> <laughs> That's, we've done that. Moving on. Douglas and I both use Ludimogs, which one. is a podcasting. No, it's not. It's a film website that we both- It's a podcasting uh, website. I'm really- i have thrown myself off my game. Uh, Film tracking and reviewing website that we like a whole bunch. I'm sorry, Douglas. Whoa. I'm sorry I'm not good enough for you. My account on Letterboxd is- Whoa. We play that as UUUPAH3Us. P-A-H, and Douglas.
1: Chris Pratt ain't got shit on me. Uh, My account is Ienzo Knight, I-E-N-Z-O-K-N-I-G-H-T. The latter half of this year has really turned into, like, the Chris Pratt hate uh, podcast. I'm mm. actually kind of here for it. Um, You can look yeah. up Ienzo Knight, UPA, or 250 in the Letterbox search engine. You'll find us. We have uh written reviews of all the films that we talk about here on the 250, as well as anything else that we watch in our spare time. I'm going to talk about... Two things first that I know Jonathan hasn't watched. Um, I finally got to watch The Banshees of uh in. which is the Martin McDonagh directed, Colin Farrell, Brendan gleason starring film, and it is everything I wanted it to be and more. It's people have been saying it's better than In Bruges. People have been saying it's worse than In Bruges. I think they both perfectly coexist in this. Uh. Dichotomy of Irish, uh, just frustration and hatred and boiling cynicism. And it's just the best. I, I really do love it when McDonagh gets together with Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleason. They're just two wonderfully grounded actors. And I really thought Colin Farrell was good in, in Bruges. And I thought he was great in The Batman as well. thought he was good in Bruges. Fuck me dead. He does it even more somehow in Banshees of Inner Sherrod. So, cannot recommend it enough. One of the greatest uh, dramedies of the year, if not of the 20s so far. Definitely go and check it out in cinemas if you possibly can. Uh, it's a very beautiful film as well. The cinematography is amazing. And I also rewatched uh Twisted on YouTube, which is the Star uh musical that... Parodies Aladdin and I uh it's I still try and get as many people to watch it as I can because not only is it amazing just musical in general, like incredibly well written, incredibly smart, incredibly funny, but it's actually in conversation with its source material, which not a lot of parodies can do or at least do effectively. So go watch Twisted. Have you watched Twisted yet, Jonathan? I don't think no. you have. Great. Cool. We've, we recently, recently, kind of have watched Aladdin recently. It should be there. So, I'm gonna get. Recently. We gotta, we gotta watch, we gotta watch The Batman together. We gotta watch Glass Onion together. And we gotta watch Twisted together.
0: So. It was like two years ago we watched fucking Aladdin. Though. Chop,
1: chop, motherfucker. Let's go. We both have seen Avatar.
0: Two, baby. So, I was writing this in my notebook, Avatar The Way of Water, T-W-O-W, it looks like Avatar 2. What? I don't know if- I, I haven't heard anyone talk about that yet. Kiddick. That's right. That's a hot- that's a hot- that's a cold take from the 250 <laughs> podcast. Douglas, what would you think about- actually, we can't talk about it too much. We're going to make this- we're going to make it our next-
1: are we gonna bonus, bonus
0: it? Yeah, yeah,
1: we can, we can. Yeah, we're means- gonna,
0: were we gonna bonus it. We probably, yeah, it was yeah. The,
1: it's a, a three-hour. Didn't film we already have this conversation? Did oh, you,
0: Did we? Did you take notes?
1: I didn't take notes. I mean, I need to go watch it again
0: anyway. Who's
1: so. this? What is Douglas? Did you? Whoa! You took it to Real the. Po- you took your notebook to the cinema.
0: Real podcaster never sleeps. Wow! I can say, I can say this for sure. The thing that I really got out of no. noting this, this, this movie. I did not enjoy it as much and I was not as engaged as I could have been.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe you need to go watch it again. I'll definitely be going to watch it again. I'll go watch it again to take notes and you can go and watch it again to be more engrossed.
0: So I can actually enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> instead, of, instead of putting my <laughs> fucking critical hat on.
1: Instead of, yeah, diving down into the pages. Yeah. Yeah, yeah
0: but we both watched that and we both uh, did. I'm very excited you know what, to talk guys, about it. Guys, you should check out. No, no, actually, if there's one thing you do, <laughs> go to Letterboxd. Don't do it. No, go to my account. <laughs> like my fucking review. I'm so proud of myself. I'm so proud of myself. I need that one to look. It doesn't need to be headlining the fucking reviews on like, on like the, on the- on Letterboxd yeah, yeah, on, the on that, on that page. I just need it to be at the top of my reviews on Letterboxd. Which That's is like, all.
1: it's what? What's the benchmark for that? It's like, Six? Four likes.
0: Oh, great. <laughs> easy. Easy piece of cake. It's at three likes. Motherfucker, I need one more, please.
1: <laughs> what? Uh, I just looked at it then. I think you're at four. Let me look at your profile. Hello? I want to see if it's-
0: Oh, Douglas, where's my profile, though? Letterboxd.com to
1: triple U P A H.
0: I think it's slash user slash, but that's okay. No,
1: it's just slash
0: triple U P A H. Oh, it's just slash. Yeah. That's fucking crazy.
1: Um- it does have four likes, but Gran Torino likes, and but- Mandy also have four likes. So, you need to get one All more. Right, folks, You need, need one, one more lucky listener for the
0: love of God. Either that or I'm going to have to delete my Gran Torino or my Mandy or <laughs> to bounce it up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for tuning in to the 250. Uh, more on Avatar in the new year. Merry Christmas, That's motherfuckers. Right. Um, have a safe holidays.
0: We're doing the really good thing that is like known to be effective with media uh content creation, Douglas. Mm-hmm. Which is um waiting a couple of weeks instead <laughs> of doing it when it's still. When the iron's hot.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We wait until it's out of cinemas to talk about it on the two five
0: o. Absolutely, I, I would say my super short thing is I enjoyed Avatar 2. Yeah, me too.
1: Go go check it out if you can. Go check it out in cinemas, especially in cinemas. Fucking uh, you, it's yeah, you need to see it in cinemas.
0: I will probably talk about this again on the episode. I sat in the front row. Bold. Don't. D- so so. Very bold. What happened? Some some no no. Some friends of mine got. So, Hoyt's is one of the cinema companies Aussie, in- yeah. Yep. In Australia. And, um, and so, my friends were gifted some Hoyt's Luxe tickets, which is a- I don't know. I assume this is a thing in other countries as well, but they're like the fancy theatre, right? Where yeah, instead of having a normal cinema seat, you have like a small, like um recliner. Recliner chair. And, yeah. and, and you can get people to bring you drinks and, and yeah, like yeah. terrible- like legitimately my friend said it's some of the worst food they did in Absolutely. all year. Absolutely. It's disgusting. Um, and expensive drinks. Horrifically expensive. Forty dollars. Yep. Forty dollars. A normal ticket is like twelve. Um so cool. Awesome. <laughs> this TV, te- this 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 movie screen could not have been a higher resolution than 1440p. I could count pixels on the text. That's right. Atrocious. And because it's a luxe. Theatre, there's only four rows, yeah. I think, or five, and the back ones were all taken. So, I just had to take the front, which meant the thing was keystoned like you would not fucking believe.
1: <laughs>
0: Taking that into account, right? Terrible resolution, overpriced experience, uh, 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 an aspect ratio that would make David Lynch scream. <laughs> Still an enjoyable movie, and I think you should check it out. Wow, and, um, I'm really
1: proud of you for making a- David Lynch uh, doesn't think you should watch movies on phones reference John that's were, that's very filmophile of are, you so I'm quite proud of you
0: there's two things going on in my head yep. at any given time one of them is the thing I'm actively talking about and the other thing is just David Lynch, David Lynch. and it's either it's either David Lynch talking <laughs> about um films on phones or that fucking like 40 minute video where he like boils quinoa <laughs> <laughs> Go watch that one. I've definitely talked about that before. But that a- is yeah, also, yeah. like- That is, like, mind-bendingly rough. <laughs> That's a weird one. I All love right. watching- I love watching rich people cook.
1: Yeah. You've like seen the- f- or- uh, How like, do I it- it-
0: It's not Khloe Kardashian. It's one of- um. It's someone in the Kardashian sphere trying to cut a cucumber. What? You've seen that video, right? No. She, You know how normally- Hold the knife in your right hand. If you're left-handed, obviously, this is flip. She's right-handed. Hold your knife in your right hand. Thing you're cutting in your left hand. Uh Ah. Inch it across, right? She is holding the knife in her right hand and holding the thing with her left hand, except she's holding it to the right. So, she's got her knife and the cucumber is off to the right of the knife. So, she's crossed her arms to be able to hold the cucumber while she's (laughs) cutting it and and it was so funny cuz it's cuz it's part of like a house tour and she's like I'm checking out guys we got this wonderful kitchen I've been cooking so much since we got this kitchen <laughs> anyway i don't know how to cut a cucumber because i've had a nice man be cooking for me for the last 40 years of my life
1: <laughs> i'm going to cut a cucumber and proceed to
0: i'm going to cut a cucumber and i'm going to do it wrong
1: <laughs> incorrectly um uh, all right well with that enlightening recap <laughs> Uh, happy holidays. Be safe. Look after yourselves. Um, and a happy
0: new year. Happy
1: new year. Uh, we'll see you next week for the annual wrap up of uh all things two five zero. We wrap up a year of film. Um, we're gonna talk about our favourites from the year, our least favourites, and uh yeah, just have a, a good little reflection on the year that I was twenty twenty
0: two. The year that it was. And the year that is to come, Douglas. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Where we get into the double digits of the 250.
0: Spooky. We'll see you there. Yeah, I guess we totally will. That's very spooky. Yeah. Yeah, have a holly jolly Christmas and- uh, and uh,
1: Happy New your, Year. Um,
0: and I hope you get your holly jollies off. What does that mean? Not you. Not you. Um coming, Douglas. Oh, God. <laughs> See ya! I'm stopping recording. <laughs> <laughs>